Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms, and I'm the founder of this podcast and movement known as the W2 Capitalist. Today's episode, I'm really looking excited about this. Uh, really looking excited. I'm really looking forward to this, and you guys hearing this. This has got to be part one of many as we tap into the mobile home park world uh, with Tim, Ed, and Sydney. So, Tim, uh, and and I say that because we spent probably an hour, hour and a half uh, in our virtual session, but uh, I didn't get into near the questions I wanted to. So give you a little bit of background on these two individuals. So Tim Kelly, uh, you know, Tim and I are actually partners on, on a uh, apartment complex together. And since we closed on that apartment complex together a couple of years ago, uh, Tim has now ventured off into the mobile home park world where, um, I was, I was going to crack on him and say he left me behind, but he has, he has invited me to come join plenty of times. And I said, no, I'm not really sure. Uh, I've got a few mobile homes. I don't know if that's an asset class I want to be in long term or a bigger scale. Uh, but uh, maybe hindsight being what it is, I should have listened to him. So to more on uh, Tim's backstory, he's a chief petty officer in the Navy. And he's teamed up with the guys over at Active Duty passive income i believe his official title is the chief encouragement officer uh but anyway they have uh he's got a 27 unit mobile home park uh he got with a couple of partners he got a 75 space mobile home park in indiana uh, and now he and sydney are focused on the mobile home park uh, asset class um, for ADPI, which is the active duty passive income. And just to give you a little bit of background for Sydney. So Sydney Barker, she is currently a financial controller out of Atlanta, as well as a mobile home park investor with her partner group, which is the ADPI capital that I mentioned earlier. So uh, she has a degree in finance and, a and accounting and has had a career as a senior financial analyst, as well as a corporate controller. So thank you, Sydney, for writing out your bio. <laughs> that really helped me out there. Basically, what I want to get to is Tim's the visionary guy, Sydney's the numbers person, and they, along with active duty passive income, are uh, really focused on the mobile home park, or they focus on the mobile home park arm of active duty passive income and what's about to become active duty passive capital. So I believe it's what, or ADPI capital. Sorry guys for butchering that. I'll link to their contact info in the show notes. And as always, Tim provides his cell phone number. So um, you can reach out to him that way. But so I want to cover a couple of highlights for today's show. Um, number one, know your city ordinance ordinances as you're looking at mobile home parks. Um, things that they focus on in finding these mobile home parks because they've got a couple. I think they have 150 unit under contract. They're starting due diligence on, and we get into that a little bit. But also something I dive into. Uh, because I struggle with it is seller financing. And so we get into some tips and tricks they are using to successfully land some seller financing deals. So um, that's pretty much it right now. So that's pretty much it for the intro. I do want to remind you to check out all of our affiliates. We've got some sponsors lining up coming up very soon. I'll mention those um, to you as we bring them on board. But check out all the affiliates we have for the show at w2capitalist.com slash affiliates. For now, let's get to work. You are a W-2 capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Hey, Good morning. How are you, Sydney? I'm great. How are you? Great. Um, so, Tim, I meant to tell you the other day that uh, you need to stop losing weight. You're looking like you're sick. Dude. Is that the I, idea? This is a goal, all right? I had to get down <laughs> to like 7% body fat, and then I'm going to start bulking. So, that's just one of my goals, man. So, I know I don't look like it now, but in, in college, uh, my Uncle Rico days, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
I actually got down below 2%. And so during the middle of fall practice, they, uh, they would not let me do any conditioning. Instead of running, they had a coach walk me to the calf and he would serve me food. He would go fill up like three plates of food and say, you got to eat, you got to eat. So, um, nowhere near that now. So (laughs) I didn't even know 2% body fat was even possible. That's insane. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, it's apparently not very healthy. Basically what it came down to is I wasn't drinking enough water. I mean, that's, that's basically what it came down to. So, um, but yeah, about a week of that, uh, of, uh, you know, a strength and conditioning coach walking you to the calf, making you fill up, uh, it'll put some weight on you. So. Was that, so it was, you weren't even trying, it was just accidental due to your activity level and what you were eating and drinking? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you're in college, you don't eat the best anyway, you know, you're yeah. ramen noodle and water or Coke or whatever. And then we would have two hour workouts in the morning, go to class. Then we would have, um, uh, three hours of practice in the afternoon in the heat of August. Yeah. You don't have to try very hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you've got to go through the, the motions and go through the process, but yeah, you're wearing goodness. 40 pounds of gear and, and yeah, it's, uh, I would die if I had to do that now. So yeah, well, I you am, wouldn't just do, you wouldn't jump into it. It's baby steps. It is baby steps. Yeah, I, I'm uh, baby stepping it right now. I'm doing my um, preferred workout for men over 40, and I'm sore from it. So that's what where that is. <laughs> yeah, man. I love that y'all both have the shirts on. That you're representing. That's represent. awesome. I love wearing this shirt, dude. It's a comfy shirt. I, I like it's it. Yeah, for real. Um, it is. I would have one on as well, but I'm, I'm, I know we're going to run up on time and I got to scoot to the office cause we got a, uh, fun day of training ahead. So let's do this. Let's establish, uh, we're here to talk about mobile home parks, right? right. Which is a, a big ask. So now when people come into the uh, Facebook group, which is almost 5,500 members, which is incredible from being a year with an inception is that, there's a lot of requests. There's two questions I ask. One is uh, it's a shameless plug for the podcast and ask them to rate and review it. But the other one is what do you want to hear on the podcast? And I get a lot of questions of mobile home parks, mobile home parks. I want to know about that. So knowing that you guys focus on that first, I want to establish credibility on why you guys are, or excuse me, you guy and gal are the uh, subject matter experts on it. Um, because I keep seeing these things and I know y'all both are involved in active duty, passive income. So we'll talk about that a little bit, but why, what makes you the subject matter expert, right? As far as what's your experience so far and Tim, so we'll start with you. So, so give me a little bit of background. I know, I know, but for the listening audience and and you and I haven't actually caught up and talked a whole lot about what you've been going on here recently. Um, but what, from a mobile home park standpoint, what is your experience? Yeah. So, um, the, I guess the first mobile home park deal was a deal that Jay and I got under contract, uh, and it was Criola, man. That was the first, that was my first involvement in a mobile home park. Okay. So not far from where Jay and I are at and, you know, Jay and I are like 20 minutes away from each other right now. We're both, I'm in Pensacola. He's right down the street in Gulf Breeze, Florida. And, uh, we, so we were looking at mobile home parks together, um, as a deal to take down. And so that one was, it's, um, it's a pretty small park. It was zoned for 27 spaces. There were only 11 developed spaces. And that one is uh, that one was in just north of Mobile, Alabama, a city called Creole, Alabama. Uh, definitely Creole, a tertiary, yeah. <laughs> Creole, uh, and definitely a tertiary market outside of Mobile. And and yeah, so that one we um, I actually partnered with a couple guys. We just we just paid for it. We didn't have to like raise capital or 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 use any kind of bank financing. Um, we just bought it, and that's about to actually get sold. Um, we repositioned it. It's, there was a lot of headaches that was with the, that were with, um, that had to do with the city. Um, 
luckily through the reposition process, we learned how the importance of building a relationship with city hall, with the economic development, with this, with the, uh, the city inspector, especially in a small city where there are a number of mobile home parks where the other owners are, are, are slumlords. Mm -hmm. And so they just, without us going to them prior to closing, they just assumed we were another, Slum, we were another a couple slumlords and so they were kind of hard on us at first until they got to know us and our vision and what we actually are our plans were and that was just to add value to their community get out and evict the people who were not uh, following the rules and who were um, not adding value to the to the community and and to get in there and bring nicer homes in there and get it get it nice and full and accommodate better tenants so that was one we're about to sell that um, that should be a pretty nice return and then, um, and then I uh, helped raise capital um, and helped put together a 75 space park up in Indiana uh, with actually the two same partners, uh, both military guys here in the area. Um, and uh, that one, that one was, that one was actually going really well. Um, it is being managed by a third party company up in, up in Indiana. It's just outside of Gary actually in, um, in Calumet Township, Indiana. And uh, the biggest value add component on that one was the um, owner was paying for water, even though it was submetered. <laughs> so it was all sure. submetered, uh, but the owner was paying for all the water, which was great, which was huge. And we ended up um, getting bank financing, two, loan, two lenders assured us that they would that they would lend us capital and then about 15 days before closing they both backed out and um because one bank of them didn't is a formal word for a reason i hate fucking <laughs> banks yeah one of them didn't know mobile home parks and that is a huge lesson learned um you know in short when you're trying to go get financing on mobile home communities the the bank either understands mobile home parks um or already has a bunch of mobile home parks in their portfolio and they have experience with them. Yep. Um, Cause banks that know mobile home parks love them. Banks that don't know mobile home parks are scared of them. Yeah. And so um, that they both backed out. Then all of a sudden, like within about, you know, less than 14 days closing, we had to raise that all cash. Um, so we pretty much did that. Um, luckily, you know, the three of us, we just all kind of got our heads together and we syndicated the deal and uh, we, we, we were able to get that thing closed out. Um, and then, you know, since then, it's, it was just, you know, you know, we just had, we were just looking at a bunch of deals, had a couple deals under contract, didn't work out. And, um, you know, then um, at this point now, um, you know, uh, managing partner of ADPI Capital. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about what ADPI is. I could do that later, but ADPI Capital is just the same guys who run active duty passive income. Um, now we're taking deals down together and we brought Sydney on as part of a team and her and I are spearheading the mobile home park component of ADPI Capital. And um, now we actually just signed a contract on a 154th space park up in Illinois. And I was looking my emails to see if the seller, like last night, he looked at it and sold it, but we don't have an email back yet. Um, so Sydney and I both signed it yesterday. We're just waiting for, the, for him to sell it. Then we'll officially have it under contract, hopefully today at this morning at some point. Nice. Where is it at? Eureka, Illinois. Yeah. It's outside okay. of Peoria. It's a major, um, major uh, secondary market outside of Peoria, Illinois, which is, is a major metro outside of Chicago. Yeah. Um... Isn't that where, oh man, this is, I'm just, I was going to try to be witty. What? <laughs> isn't is your Eureka, isn't that where uh, Wayne's World was from? Isn't that where they're from? I don't know. Oh man, I'm going to have to look it up now. Google. Google magic. All right. So, um, Tim, I, is that it? Is that it? I mean, that's only, <laughs> that's only a hundred and, I mean, that's, you know, a couple hundred spaces. Um, what I would like to do, if, if, that's, if that's all you have, I mean, come on. Uh, Sydney, what is your experience so far? And how did you get linked up with the ADPI guys? Are you uh, currently serving? Have you served before? Or, or are you just yeah. involved because they're doing great work? 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you um, how I got started and then how I linked up with Tim and ADPI. So I've spent my whole career in finance and accounting. Um, okay. Started out my career in financial reporting, financial analysis. Did that for about seven years. And then I transitioned over to um, uh, the world of being a controller. So a corporate controller. It's what I currently do now for an IT company. It's my W2 job. Nice. Actually, yeah. I, I know, I don't know why I asked this question because I think your, y'all, uh, your company is a client of ours. We can talk about that offline. Okay. But I, I think so. But anyway, um, okay. I, I looked up yesterday, uh, trying to prep a little bit for this, as you can tell, I'm not as prepared as I want to be, but, um, I think y'all, I think you're a customer. So oh, which is pretty cool. So we'll, we'll chat about that. Offline. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, um, so my whole career has been analysis, you know, looking at numbers, controlling numbers, and um, last November, I went to plug for Rod Cleaves boot camp. It was amazing, and I knew I knew I wanted to get started in um, multifamily real estate investing. I just wasn't sure, you know, exactly where to plug in. So that was kind of the game changer for me, and I just decided that I was going to focus on one asset class and become the expert on that one particular asset class because, you know, a lot of people in this industry in real estate, it's like the shiny penny syndrome where mm-hmm. like, there's the flips and you know, there's the wholesaling and there's just so many different things to get into. And so I just picked one thing to focus on. Um, and I did the, the mobile home university course through Frank and Dave, which is amazing. It was really, really helpful. I learned a lot. And um, so basically since then I've spent, <laughs> living, breathing mobile home parks. I do nothing but talk about mobile home parks. Um, pretty much every day I'm looking at deals or analyzing deals. So I've been doing that since, yeah, probably about, probably about six months. And, um, yeah, me, me and Tim got, got hooked up through a mutual friend, Mitch Durfee. Thanks, Mitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, he just, he connected us too cause he, he knew both of us were in the mobile home state of mind. And, um, yeah, me and Tim just kind of hit it off and, uh, just started working together. And at some point, um, you know, Tim's connection with ADPI, he just decided, Hey, we need a mobile home park arm of ADPI. So decided to bring me on a team and help take down deals. Awesome. So, um, full disclosure, Tim and I are partners on another deal. And I know if you have that experience being analytical, that is a strong suit you bring that Tim does not have. Yeah. Know your strengths, right? <laughs> so uh, yeah. I'm proud of that. <laughs> I like well, promoting it too, because it's like a lot of people think that they need to be a numbers guru and they need to know uh, like how to be super analytical when they're analyzing. Yeah. And that was for me at, at first, I was like, I know numbers well enough to know what the important things are in a deal, whether to figure out whether a deal's good or not. And like the red flags in terms yeah. of numbers. But my brain isn't programmed like definitely like Sydney's and not like Jay's. They're the left brain analytical data driven. They, they, they're good at being in the office and crunching the numbers. And I'm, that's not what I choose to do. I'd rather, I'd rather do pretty much the other, the other piece. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I learned that with Jay and we talked about that on bigger pockets and, and that's why one of the reasons why, um, me and Sydney work really well together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important to, to partner up with someone that's, that's better, better than you at things you're not good at. So, you know, Tim's, you know, got the personality, he's the capital raiser. Um, so he's, he's a lot better than me at, um, some stuff. So we're able to really sync up together and, with our forces combined, take out the mobile home parks. I would definitely agree. I, you and I are a lot alike in that area where Tim is not afraid to have a conversation with anybody. I feel like yeah. I've got to check a few boxes and get prepared before I go. Even oh yeah. Hello, I got to make right? sure I got to, I got to like put it in Excel and like make sure <laughs> before I say anything. <laughs> I'm working on it though. I'm working on it. There's, there's a, I, f- I forget where I, pick this quote up, um, but it's progress over perfection, right? Or progress is greater than perfection. And every chance I get, especially at my W2, I try to incorporate that because I manage, uh, there's a lot of um, folks that uh, now we're going through a transitional period at that job, but 
um, they just want to be perfect. I'm like, it's not about being perfect. Yeah. I'm preaching to the choir here, right? So yeah. I'm preaching to myself when I tell you this, but I just need you to take a step forward, right? And just just try it out. So maybe you and I can work on that together. <laughs> <laughs> if you find um, a pointer that fire aim uh, yeah that's it that's it that book was uh helped me understand that a lot uh and i forget is it is it fair Claw? who wrote that ready fire aim is the book i never read a book that's just kind of the way of life oh well there uh, so so there is actually a book it's called ready fire aim mm. and it's really it's it's good because it breaks down businesses as you as you grow and it breaks it down by revenue size. I think uh, it's been a couple of years and a couple of kids since I've since I've <laughs> listened to it. But it basically breaks it down. Hey, if you're in revenue bucket A, here's kind of what you're going to focus on. And it goes through this whole ready fire aim where you just take a shot and then figure out where you need to readjust and take another shot and readjust. So it's um, I need to read that. I'll I'll probably be like, yep, I already do that. Yeah, yep. <laughs> do that. You might read it and think, "I think I co-authored this book." Yeah, <laughs> cool, man. I'm adding it to the list. All right, I'll, I'll make a link to it in the show notes. So, so Tim, um, back to you for a minute. So, you mentioned on the Criola Park that uh, building a relationship with a city inspector is important. What have you, What have y'all found out about that, and how would you go about doing that? Because my my experience with city inspectors, uh, there there's some hard asses, right? And and I found that this is where one of those um, just shut up and listen, which I'm really good at, is that um, comes into play very good. I mean, it's when a city inspector has come on uh, to one of my properties, I just I get real quiet and I just sit there because in the past I've opened my mouth and tried to convince him that I was doing the right thing and it just kind of blew up. So what did, what did you mean by uh, building a relationship with a city inspector when it comes to specifically mobile home parks? And I guess one of the things you said was headaches, you know, what were some of those headaches that y'all ran into? Because you're right. I, I, I've heard, a, you know, I don't, I own a few mobile homes. Um, matter of fact, I'm putting, two up for sale today, but, um, I don't have any in a park, right? So I know parks tend to get, have a bad rap or kind of the perception is they have a bad rap. Um, but what kind of headaches did y'all run into with Criola? And, I, I, um, I was going to say, I don't remember why I backed out of that, but I think it was a financial situation for me. <laughs> anyway, the price point we got it at was, was crazy. And I'm surprised that you backed out of it, but um, it, there was just, if you, if you recall, it was the way, the way we acquired it and essentially the promises that were made to include with the acquisition. So really quick, if this is a park, um, that was initially purchased by a, a, a much larger private investor who right down the street, there were two massive parks that totaled about 200 spaces and they scooped up this other park just because they were going to completely reposition these other two parks and and the plan was to put all new homes in those two parks and so the nicer homes left over we're going to go into this park this other park in Creola that we ended up buying so, so like with that deal it was like th that was going to be a place where all the salvageable homes will be deposited into like yeah. it's like if you buy this park you'll get all these other homes and you'll have it all completely full 27 all 27 spaces will be full um so that was one of the reasons why i thought it was great at the price point i'm like look we can get it fully occupied at this price point we'll have to probably pay for some of the moves or whatever um but are you is it kind of coming back yeah yeah so so there was two uh and i you didn't get distracted when i was doing my little dance over here but there's, yeah, there was <laughs> <laughs> there was there was two parks right that these developers purchased or they actually bought all three right is that right and their idea was they're going to take the two larger parks move those folks out because if i remember correctly they were maybe a mile or two or five within within each other they were all right? like a mile radius all okay three. so yeah. they're going to take the really good homes the better homes out of these two bigger uh parks yep migrate those into that 27 one that you guys end up acquiring Absolutely. that was originally the idea right and then they were going to redevelop those other two yeah. uh as something completely else so um i do remember that um yeah, yeah. 
All right. It's coming back to me. Coffee's good. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of like some of the headaches and the importance of the uh, relationship with uh, the city inspector, you know, we, uh, we kind of just, we, we closed it without really building a relationship with the city or talking to the city or informing the city what our plans were. And we kind of just executed. And um, Do you think that's normal though with mobile home parks? Are you guys finding that's normal that you need to be having an in with the city inspector and say, look, we want to buy this mobile home park. What, what is your thoughts or processes on the park itself or how we can come, you know, become a contributor, uh, not an eyesore for the community. Is that something that you, you guys do going forward or, or would like to do going forward? Yeah. So that's, that's definitely a step in our due diligence process is to make sure the city is aware of exactly what we're doing and our intentions. Okay. If they don't know you, they're not going to really, they'll, 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 it's like a fear of the unknown. They're like, well, what are these guys going to do? What are their plans? Are they slumlords? Regardless of the market or um, the number of pads, right? So, I mean, we'll be doing this one in Eureka. And by the way, Wayne's World was Aurora. That's it. That's it. And <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm from just outside of Chicago. So I'm like, I, I would have remembered if it was Eureka, but Let's I couldn't remember for sure. Let's get the clarity on the important stuff, okay? Where was <laughs> yeah. Wayne's World located? Let's yeah. Aurora. Just, just so everybody, I know everybody's on the edge of their seats waiting. Yes. yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. <laughs> and Google. So, <laughs> contacting the city um, first, economic development, and you and I in our apartment complex. Imagine what you know if we never built a relationship with Krista, who was the economic in the economic development That's office. True. And initially she, after a long friggin' a lot of back and forth trying to figure out our property management, she now is managing our park because she happened to be a real estate agent and a property has property management experience. But anyway. Let's give her so, property diligence. She's not just an agent, she's a broker. Yeah, she's a broker. And uh, <laughs> great. She is like yeah. she is doing everything for our apartment complex right now in that in that market. Yeah. And you know, come to think, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I wasn't even thinking this, but uh, me and you and um, Jeremy went up and presented to the city council yeah. uh, as we became new owners and, and, you know, they fired some questions at us and stuff like that. But I think that helped. Um, now it didn't, didn't necessarily help with the inspector <laughs> bit. He's his own, uh, animal. but it, you know, he's, he's wanting us to get certain things up to code that we were planning on and, and that sort of thing. So it's good, as you said on Saturday, um, for safety reasons. Yeah. I don't know. And like, I'm shaking my head. That fear of like, well, what is he going to make me do? What are, what are they going to try to, you know, are there, are there going to be any codes that are, I don't know that are violated that we're going to have to bring up to code and are we going to have the money for that? So that's the type of thing that I would just rather get it out in the open. Yeah. <laughs> just talk about it. Make sure he knows he or she knows exactly what our intentions are that we have, that we're ethical individuals that we only want to bring value to this community that we only want to help the residents and that's like really the most important piece is when, when we want to talk to city hall and, and for the city so small, like the one in Criola, I mean, we, now we have a personal relationship with the city inspector, even a personal relationship with the mayor of the city. And yeah. like, obviously the bigger the city, it's probably like the mayor probably won't get directly involved, but the mayor was at the meeting with us and the mayor came out to the park after we mm. bought it in Criola and we all met him. And so them like seeing us and meeting us is it just gave them a peace of mind knowing that we're we have good intentions yeah and so that's really the importance of just giving them like don't leave it up to them guessing about how we're going to operate and how we're going to put a footprint in their city just let them know this is our plan this is what we intend to do we are here to help you know grow your city in a good way yeah um so that was that. And, and the, I think the biggest problem arose, like we kind of did not do that until we, we started doing business. And the part of the deal was those other tra trailers in those other parks, they actually paid to move a bunch of them. So they moved a bunch of them with, and without consulting the city. And in Criola, you have to request permission from the city and pay a fee in order to move trailers um mm. and they didn't do that and they brought them over and the ones that they brought over were kind of dumpy not ones that we would have wanted we had a property manager at the time on scene kind of coordinating it and yeah. he, he's no longer our, our manager we ended up firing him for all kinds of other stuff 
Um, but um, we kind of let it up to him, and that was our fault for not being on scene and watching the moves. Um, that's where we dropped the ball on that part, too. Um, so then the city inspector's like, why are you bringing these crappy homes? You know, now you're going to inherit yeah. bad tenants, and, and it's only going to be bad, and, and this and that. So then that we had to, like, stop all that. One of the homes that were coming in that we could have rehabbed we ended up going to the dump, and it was no longer up to code. And um, that was probably the biggest headache, you know, them really saying, you know, you cannot, you cannot pull any more parks into this home until you talk to City Hall, until you pay the fees. And then that's when, you know, Until you know the process. <laughs> yeah. From there we had to go through a couple yeah. obstacles, but then they knew who we were. We yeah. knew the policies in the city. We, we followed them from that point forward. We got a new manager. Um, we kind of, um, you know, from that point forward, now we're at the part at the point where um, we're about to sell it because it's fully repositioned and, and uh, it'll be nice, profitable. But that, that's one of the reasons. And, and for the reason we mentioned earlier with the apartment complex, you know, the importance of building a relationship with the city, them yeah. just knowing what your intentions are. Now it's, it's almost part of the SOP for our due diligence process at this point. So it's been a good learning experience, right? So um, Sydney has been waiting very patiently. You know, I've just been chatting, right? So she's been sitting there smiling. Just, <laughs> uh, but so Sydney, what are some of the things that you look at from an analytical standpoint um, on a mobile home park, right? And, and, it, and I know just a little, right? Because I've looked at a couple with, uh, with, with Kim. You're Kim from now on, okay, Tim? Yeah. I'll take it. It's early, man. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not that early. Actually. Not that early. It's. It's just been a rough uh, month. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney, you have kids, right? I do. I've got yeah. two almost eight-year-olds. Yeah. So eventually, Tim's going to figure out what I mean by this. But uh, yeah, it's. Um, I've got a four-year-old, two-year-old, and a one-month-old. So uh, yeah. Yeah, we, me and uh, me and Tim will be on Zoom calls, and my kids will be running through the background, and he'll hear me yelling out crazy stuff. He probably thinks I'm like a crazy parent. I'm like, stay out of the road, get the squirrel out of the house. <laughs> if you if you ever just like, I started documenting the conversations that I have with my kids, and they're just hilarious. And I've figured out, you know, with my two year old daughter, it's. Uh, don't eat that. That's not food. Stop licking that. It's just, you know, yeah. like just, yeah, the stuff you say is just insane. You're like, wow, I can't believe I just said that. Like yeah. slapping my sandwich. I said that. I mean, just crazy stuff. <laughs> but they're awesome. Anyway. Um, so analysis on a mobile home park, what are the yeah. metrics that you look at and what kind of criteria are you looking at? Is there a certain size or is there, is there a certain rent? Um, yeah. I know when I looked at them before, we were looking at making sure, you know, the ideal situation was you own the land and then, and that's it, right? You lease everything back to the tenant or the tenant has their own uh, home and then city water and city sewer were, were um, submetered city water and city right. sewer. And um, those were the main things that we were looking for. Is that kind of what y'all dove into is an ideal situation and how far do you veer off of that when you're looking for yeah. new opportunities? So what, what we're looking for is um, we're pretty much focused in the Southeast and the Midwest. And we're looking for parks generally that kind of are within like a 70 pad to 200 pad size. Okay. We will veer off a little bit if, you know, if it makes sense. But I think the biggest thing that I start with first is what is the play? You know, if it's, um, we're, we're not really interested in fully stabilized parks where, you know, you, you're going to basically buy it at a really low cap rate and make small returns. We want a play where there's, um, where the lot rent is under market or the, uh, the utilities are not being billed back. You know, there's got to be something there to work with. So if that's not there, I mean, we pass. Yeah, yeah we're so you're, interested in that. you're looking for a value add. Always. Always. Meat on the bone. Meat, Meat on, on the bone. bone. <laughs> That's right. So There's got to be something. Yeah. So why is that 75 to 200 uh, space? Why is that your sweet spot? Um, I mean, we just, 
it, it takes so much time to go through, you know, the LOI, the contract, the attorney, the due diligence, the financing, the money, you know, the capital raise, there's so many pieces that have to happen. We don't want to do that for a tiny park. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have looked at some parks that, that are bigger, but we just, I think right now we just feel comfortable in that size. We know we can raise the capital for that size. We know we can take it down. I mean, at some point, probably pretty soon we'll, we'll look at bigger stuff. Expand past that. That makes sense. Yeah. And again, that four letter word bank, I, I've had a lot of conversations with those guys this year and, um, I shouldn't say all banks. I actually have one banker and I've, and going back to the relationship piece that Tim mentioned earlier, um, I've, I've had that relationship with them for almost a decade now and they, they are extremely responsive. And so whenever I curse about banks, it's not about them. They just don't do everything that I want them to do. Right. So I had to go and, struggle with finding somebody else but it's about building those relationships and when i when i've talked to banks this year i've looked at some bigger deals and what they basically came back and told me is look um in order for us to close a loan on five hundred thousand, it's the same effort as if we're closing a million or two million so we're gonna we're not gonna entertain those I mean, it's not, you know, $500,000 loans because it's not worth it to us. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, wow, I'm not a, you know, that's, it's incredible to me, but I get it. You know, I'm just a little butthurt because they don't want my business and I think it'd be a good fit. anyway. And you know, that's why we love seller financing and what's so great about a mobile home parks is a lot of them that you find are the mom and pop owners that, yep. um, that you can talk to them about the benefits of seller financing and both parties win, you know, they yep. win from the tax perspective and from being able to keep their investment, something that's earning money. And, you know, the investors win because the cash on cash return is great. You eliminate the need for all the, you know, the banks and all yes. the compliance and regulatory costs and unnecessary time. So it's, it's really a win-win. And this may be a Tim question, but, um, cause I struggle with it. And so Cindy, I'm going to assume you struggle with it too. But when you find a seller who's in a position to do seller financing, how do you convince them to do that? Cause I've run into some, especially if the park is represented by a realtor, I was successful, um, this past week at convincing a, seller to seller finance me his car wash and then he gave me the numbers i'm like okay no i'm not doing that um but all along that conversation the realtor who is representing him he won't sell or finance there's no way he's already turned down this offer blah 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 and i just kept chipping away at him and he finally said yeah i'll do it but then the numbers didn't look great so um what are some of the things tim you've found that help move that conversation along because we were you know, we tried that with our part or with our park, with our apartment complex, um, in Centronel and old Andy was not interested, you know, um, what have you found that, that works right to convince owners, Hey, this is a good thing. And I think Cindy mentioned, I mean, obviously they're still motivated by money, right. And Cindy mentioned, Hey, there's some tax benefits and, and things of that nature. You're going to still get a, a lot better ROI than you would if you just took that money and put it in the bank somewhere. But what are some of the things that you've found uh, that work to at least get the conversation going um, not only with the owner, but with the realtor broker that's representing that owner? I'll say a couple things. And then I want Sydney to share. We have another park that she secured water financing on with, uh, with the owner. So here, here's my two cents. I think one, um, you have Sorry, to, I, I didn't mean to offend you, Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. I just know I'm not good at it. And our analytical types. You're not good at it yet. That, that very good rephrase. Thank you. Thank you. This is all I heard. I'm not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> what was me? All right, figure it out. Here we go. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> So, A, you have to get to know the seller and like, what are their goals? Be interested in what they're trying to accomplish out of the transaction. Like, 
if they have an idea of what seller financing is and they know that there are some kind of benefits, maybe you just have to educate them on what those benefits are. Like, look, these are the tax advantages. This is, you could have residual income. And like, sometimes you just have to educate them. Thing that we found is we like using options. If you create two or three different options for the seller to choose, that all the numbers work for us and then like whatever works more for them, like, look, how about 10% down with this interest rate? If not 15% down more cash with a lower interest rate or maybe 20% down more cash with even with maybe a, a lower interest rate. So what do they want? Do they want more cash to pay for, you know, someone, something that they, they're looking for or, uh, maybe they want to buy something or maybe they want to transition that cash into another property. So we, you don't, you won't know unless you really try to get them to try to tell you how much they want. Like we went back and forth with this particular situation. Like we got to figure out how, like what is in her head, how much she wants down and then we'll structure it to that. And then we'll do some financing that work for, that works for both of us. So getting to know their goals, maybe possibly setting up a couple different options. And I think if, if they don't, already kind of know like it's, it's going to be hard to convince them from scratch if they don't know anything about seller financing if they don't know that there are some kind of benefits it's going to be tough to literally convince them to do this kind of financing unless you have some really good rapport which is i think yeah. what sydney ended up building with this other one so those are kind of my two cents and but sydney why don't you talk about how you secured that with loretta yeah yeah let's, yeah let's so i mean so Tim is absolutely right. Um, seller bonding is so important and it's the number one thing you have to do before you have that conversation. So getting to know what they want to do. So in the case of Loretta, um, she had been I love in the, the name, by the way, I know I do too. <laughs> I, and she's such a sweet lady. Um, you know, she, you know, her story was she had been in the park, I think was it 45 years Tim? I mean, it was a long time. And she was ready to move on with her life. And, you know, she's late 70s, early 80s. She didn't want to be doing this anymore. So trying to understand where she's at, you know, she wants to move and buy a little house down by the lake, you know, with her garden. So just trying to understand that. And then we, we were structuring a deal where we can give her enough money to go off and do, you know, buy her little house down by the lake and still give her um, a monthly income that gives her something. So she's doing no work and she's still got something coming in. And then you've got the tax advantages of structuring it that way. Nice, yeah. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that I would highlight when you're talking to sellers about potentially doing the, the seller financing is they're already comfortable with the asset. They already understand what the asset is doing. And so it's not, um, a risk it's not as risky for them because they they already understand how the property works and how where the money comes from you're not teaching somebody you know about mobile home parks from scratch or whatever the asset may be so that it makes it a, a better conversation and I, and I like to highlight that too um so yeah that's that's our our seller financing and a lot of a lot of mobile home park owners in particular we find are older mm -hmm. and older people like face to face. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's difficult being a millennial. Cause I'm like text, <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> does Snapchat. Does Loretta um, even have a cell phone that accepts text messages? Does she have a cell phone? Let's put it that way. I know because when I call her, I have to leave messages on the answering machine. <laughs> We had to, we had to ma physically mail her yeah. the contract. No way. Nice. Yeah, she said her her internets were down. Her internets. <laughs> internet. So I was like, well, I'm just going to mail you something, and you know, nice handwritten letter. Just make sure you know who you're dealing with. You know, it's an older generation. They value yeah. different ways of communication. So always meet them where they're at. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the park in Illinois that we're looking at, same deal, older guy doesn't want to do seller financing, but he, he wants, um, he wants to meet us. So it's, it's, um, something that we we're making a priority when we're dealing with older sellers is go see them yeah. face to face and create that bonding so that you can have a good relationship. Cause in the case of the Illinois park, 
he still may be involved with helping us do some, some dev work. Mm-hmm. So, so we want that good relationship with him. He's going to live two miles down the road um, from there. And he actually, he, there is um, some redevelopment type of stuff, pouring, pouring pads to finish 23 pads. All I have to do, the concrete slab has to be poured and then they'll be ready to accommodate homes. Um, everything else is good to go. And, and he is like, he wants to be the one to do it because he can do it at a really low cost. So we might take advantage of that down the road sure. um, once we close and we're like, look, that's, we, we look at other options and, you know, that, I think that's probably going to be unbeatable what he could do, pour them yeah. for. And, and that's what he does. He either knows people who are enjoys doing it himself. Yeah. But I think that rapport is really important. And especially now, state of the market where a lot of people, there's a lot, there's more competition and higher, you know, lower cap rates. Um, there's a lot more people, even looking at the mobile home park space, which is one of the biggest benefits is less competition, less investors are going after these assets compared to apartment complexes. Um, so now our, our, one of our literally routine um, SOP tasks during, when we submit an offer, um, it's just standard for us to submit um, we don't even waste our time with an LOI. We just go right for the contract. Okay. And then we send a video of the founder of uh, ADPI, Markion. He sends a personalized video. Hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is why you should choose us, basically. Nice. And then we also send a do proof send of funds. VHS. What's that? Do you send the video on VHS? YouTube link. So uh, hopefully, the broker, hopefully the broker could just be like, hey, watch my phone or, you know, I'll have to go yeah. to my laptop. Uh, the seller doesn't have access. But anyway, yeah, so we send, we send the video. We, send, we go straight to the PSA. And then um, we also have um, a proof of funds from our institutional mortgage broker who, sent, who basically just personalized for each deal. He's like, you know, the ADPI capital team has this much in liquidity net worth. They're approved for a loan to easily cover the debt on this. No problem. Right. Yeah. And then we also have a credibility book, which is just like a seven or eight page PDF. That is, this is our mission. This is what ADPI is all about. These are our bios and our credibility based on the, the real estate that we've already done as a team. Yeah. And that's just our standard practice for every offer that we submit. That's just what we do. And, I, and that's voted very well for us. Yeah. yeah. And what's great about the credibility book is it really highlights the mission. And that's really um, been super important for the sellers. Like sometimes it's not necessarily just about the price, especially right. when you're dealing with older people, they want to know who they're selling to because the, the park or the property is their baby. Yeah. And so they really connect with, oh, you know, your mission is to help military families. I was in the military that speaks to them. So yeah. It's, um, I would suggest, you know, that people create a mission, like what is your mission and really push that out there. I think Let's I helped with Loretta. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I really in the Air Force and her, okay. she was a military family and then yeah. kind of, we sent her our credibility book and she realized we're all military. And I think that probably, she, and I think she bought it from a military family, like yeah. initially. It's been, so in the, yeah, yeah, it's been military owned ever since it was created. And yeah. she loves the idea of it continuing to be military owned. So you just never know um, what people yeah. will connect with. Well, I, I think that's one competitive advantage that y'all have versus if I were to go put my own group together, focused on mobile home parks. I know if I came up against y'all in a mobile home park situation, uh, you know, I would more than likely guess that the owner is going to go with ADPI, which I love the, the name. I have, a, I have a little problem with passive income because I don't think anything's really passive, but I totally get where you're going with that. That's a conversation for a whole other thing. Yeah. But, you know, that was horrible. I just bashed the name. That's bad. Anyway, <laughs> I make it. It is. But, no, I, I love the name and what y'all put together. And, you know, I got to talk to Eric of church. Uh, which he does really look like Michael Buble. Yeah, yeah, he kind of does. Yeah, he totally um, does. Um, but you know what? I don't, actually, I still haven't met him or Markion, the founder. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. I hooked him up with uh, Ryan Mickler, and I think they're gonna have a little chat. So maybe nice. something coming coming down the road for that. But it's huge. Um, 
uh, I love what you guys are doing. I think this, the sellers can see that and, you know, it's, it's definitely a competitive advantage that ADPI has over just me or a group I would put together. Uh, I mean, who doesn't want to help out veterans, you know, um, one question. Well, so the next question, Sydney, I want to talk to you since you're the numbers, numbers person. Um, a lot of times with these, at least my limited experience with these old order, um, owners is they don't keep very good records. Right. So, um, at least one scenario I would give you is, uh, an owner drew out their mobile home park on the back of a, on a piece of paper, eight and a half by 11 sheet (laughs) and put how much rents were for each one. And that was the financial information they gave me. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, while I trust this, the bank's going to want to verify it. Right. And I'm going to want to verify it too, but there's no way I'm going to get a loan based off this eight and a half by 11 piece of paper you just gave me you're not willing to own or finance how can i get better financials from you will your cpa connect me there you know they were dealing with a bunch of cash stuff and, and weren't reporting everything anyway uh come to find out so how do you how do you get past that i'm assuming you've run into that as much as you've analyzed how do you get past that and and what is the what are the minimum numbers that you have to have to to analyze properly analyze a mobile home park? Yeah. So, I mean, of course I definitely run into that all the time. And, um, you know, which by the way, I hope one day that with my investments, I'm the same way, you know, I'm just worried about cash coming in. I don't care what I report, you know, (laughs) and if some young whippersnapper millennial wants to come grab it up from me, they're going to, here's what I got. Uh, either you trust me or you don't, you know, yeah. <laughs> anyway, what, I how, mean, do you, how do you battle that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a challenge, but, um, I also see it as an opportunity because yeah. if, if they have bad records, it really opens up that conversation for seller financing. Um, Hey, yeah. you know, how, how are we going to get a bank loan if we don't have good records? How are we going to do the audit? So it, I, I mean, honestly, it really creates opportunity um, in my mind. But um, to answer your question, I'll, I'll, I'll I mean, you, you have to take what they give you when you're in the analysis offer stage. And then, um, you know, you just kind of, I'll look at aerial maps. I'll look at um, their handwritten maps on the back of a napkin. I mean, you just take everything that you can based off the information that you have. And, you know, plug it into um, this, you know, using the same analyzer. I'm going to plug David Tupin because he's my bro. Um, I use his analyzer, David Tupin. Yeah. Okay. Um, So I use his analyzer. And so I'm looking at it in the same format every time. So I kind of know, hey, this park is city water, city sewer. So it's going to be this expense ratio or, um, you know, it's got, uh, all park on home. So it's going to be this expense ratio. So I'll run through the numbers and if the numbers look good, um, when we're really focused uh, a lot on cash on cash returns is if, if the numbers look good, then we would go through the offer stage where you would hash out, are the numbers really what they are? Mm. And, you know, I've been through audits my entire career. I know how to audit. Um, the net, you know, you can't, you can't hide the money. I mean, unless they're getting cash payments, which, you know, that's not very unusual. No, you can't can't hide the money. I mean, you're, you're going to be able to figure it out through bank statements. Um, and then just piecing together tax returns and, uh, you can, you can piece it together and figure it out. And, you know, if they, if they messed it up, which they could have, um, that gives you an opportunity to renegotiate. Yeah. Um, and how, how is the conversation, how does the conversation usually go with trying to get somebody's tax returns? Right. I I found that with the older generation, um, is that they don't want to hand over what we consider just proper due diligence, right? Is if, if it's a single family or single member LLC, or if the parks in their personal name, then they're reporting that on their, um, their, uh, my mind just went completely blank. I'm so sorry. Their K-1? Well, their K-1 or their, just their normal tax return, right? And, and they don't necessarily, sometimes they don't want to 
um, reveal all of that information. So at least I've ran, have you run into that before? Yeah. I mean, pe people don't want you. They just want to hand out, you know, their, their financial information or historical financial information just on a whim. How do you, how do you get past that? And, and what's the, what's the conversation we usually look like? Is it because y'all come with that strong offer letter or, you know, here's a contract, here's an offer, here's our credibility book. Is that kind of the secret to the sauce a little bit? Yeah. Sorry. I'm going to plug in my laptop. Um, I mean, I guess it just kind of depends. Like if, if you've got, if they've got poor records, I mean, at some point you're just going to say, look, deal or no deal. Like we, this is something that we, that we would have to see to do proper due diligence. Um, here's the reasons why it would be safe for you to give me your tax return. Um, I, I honestly haven't ran into that situation yet, Okay. but, um, I mean, I guess, I guess you just, it comes down to deal or no deal. Yeah. It's not unusual to provide tax returns. I think that's important is just to make them understand that it's not an unusual request to do that. And it's safe to do that. Yeah. Because if I'm you think about it, just, just to make sure your, your audience is clear, the tax returns are going to show as the lowest amount of income possible. Yeah. Sure. Right. And we want to, we want to see that. We want to see what you're showing because that's what our offer is going to be based on. Yep. But when they're, they're trying to prove that they have higher income to us because that's how you value the commercial property. I'm just making sure I'm, I'm going to dumb it down to people like me that are listening that can understand this stuff. Yeah. So, Hey, I was, a, I was at work the other day uh, earlier this week and I said, Hey, explain that to me like I'm a fifth grader. <laughs> and, uh, Cause it was one of those things that just, Yes, Tim, there are things that go over my head. You're right. <laughs> Trust me, I know. <laughs> nice. That was good stuff. Um, all right, so we're running up on time. I, I've got to get to the W-2, but I, I only we only touched on the surface of what I wanted to get at, um, talk to you all about. So maybe we can schedule a, a round two um, coming up pretty soon, and maybe there will be a little bit more further action with Loretta. Right. And, and maybe we can talk about that deal specifically, but I do want to point out the, the way we've talked a lot about relationships this morning. You guys are connected through a mutual friend. We talked about building relationships with a bank, building relationships with a city inspector. Um, I think it all comes from something Sydney you, you said earlier, I picked up on is that you talk about mobile home parks all the time. Right. And without, you doing that, you wouldn't be connected to Tim and the AD, ADPI team. And Tim, I know you, you like to talk anyway, so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which leads me, I guess, last question. Um, how did, how do you guys, how are y'all finding these parks in the Midwest? Like I know, so Cindy, you're in Georgia, right? Yeah. So how are you, and Tim, you're, you're, as you said earlier, you're in Florida near me. So what, how do y'all find these parks in the Midwest? Broker relationships. Hey, there's that, there's that word again, yeah. relationships. Okay. And we, we talk about this all the friggin' time, especially in ADPI. So we're about to release a multifamily academy where we walk people through how to invest in both apartment complexes and mobile home parks to include due diligence and analysis. But we emphasize the importance of not only like your mindset to get to that point, but building meaningful relationships. Yeah. It's like people are what make this world go round. I mean, people are what kind of designed the, the technology that we're using to communicate with, with each other. It's really important to understand that and, and be um, interested in other people yeah. and what, they, what they're doing and what their goals are. And I love talking to other people. And yeah, I love, you know, kind of sharing with people what I do, but I'm more interested in what they're doing, what their goals are. Um, because when you do have that bond and that relationship, they're going to be interested in what you do as well. Yeah. And like the key is it's, it's a little bit about what, you know, it's, it's more about who, you know, but it's even more about who knows you. And yeah. sometimes it's hard for people to realize to, it's okay to talk about what you have going on, what you do what you're looking for and what kind of value you could bring to the table. And I immediately realized 
when Sydney and I connected, we got to know each other and I knew exactly she was the analytical brain that, that was the numbers data driven piece. And that's why we just, the minute we kind of connected, we had zoom calls like multiple times throughout the week to say, Hey, what's the next step? What are we doing? What are we looking nice. for? We, we analyzed probably like 12 deals until we finally got one that, you know, a couple that we made an offer on. And then now we're about to be under contract on two and Guess that's just in mobile home parks. I mean, there's yeah. another owner financing deal that she helped put together for an apartment community that ADPI Capital is um, that putting a uh, putting an offer in on, and she helped structure that that owner financing for that too. And we're really excited about that one. That one's going to be a home run. Um, yeah. But it's all about just being interested in other people, but putting yourself in environments where other people might be interested in what you're doing like yeah. RIAs and conferences and going to seminars and getting out there on podcasts and just <clears throat> sharing with your social media platform network. Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm really passionate about this. I found this and this and this, and now I'm looking at this and people are going to gravitate to you and people are going to be wondering, wow, he's, how could I get involved in that? You know, and then they're going to reach out to you and then that might be a potential partner or something. You know? That's Absolutely. exactly what happens <clears throat> to me is um, when you put yourself out there, like Tim is saying, and let people know what you're doing, whether it's through social media or just talking with people, the amount of messages and people that reach out to me and say, Hey, <laughs> I've got a park that you might be interested in yeah. um, is, is mind blowing, honestly. So, yeah. um, I mean, that's, that's a huge lesson for me is, you know, I used to call myself an introvert, like, oh, I don't want to put myself out Me there. Too. <laughs> and then I realized that um, you should never label yourself that because it's a, it's a choice. And so I'm choosing to not do that. So now I put myself out there and it's just, um, that's honestly how some of our deals that we find them is people seeing you out there doing stuff and sending stuff to you. Like Tim said, they're gravitated towards you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I label myself as an introvert. Uh, now behind a computer screen, I'm, I'm okay. But when I get into a physical, physically get into a crowd, I don't like it. So <laughs> maybe, and I, I think you're onto something with it. It is a choice, but, uh, I, would, I, dude, I was, I was surprised and I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I was really proud when you spoke at our Rio. I'm like, man, look at this dude. He's, <laughs> he's out of his comfort zone. Uh, I definitely grew that night or that yeah, month for that sure. That was awesome, man. I love that. Thank you, sir. Uh, all right. So let's wrap it up. Uh, contact information just so I have it and, and I'll post it in the show notes as well. Tim, are you going to give out your cell phone? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, no, I've done that on, on many guys. podcasts and it's always, it has always resulted in something good. So, um, but first definitely, um, connect with me, you know, on Facebook, Tim Kelly, you could find me and, um, Instagram at the Timothy Kelly, LinkedIn at, uh, the Timothy Kelly. And, uh, my, my website is the Timothy and for anybody who's military out there, you got to check out Active Duty Passive Income um, if you are not aware of that platform. Um, incredible podcast. We have a best-selling book, a lot of cool free resources on that website. Um, I'm, I'm highly active in the Facebook group. Just go to the Facebook group. Um, and, and yeah, man, if you just want to shoot me a text or, or give me a call, I'd be happy to talk to anybody about anything. 847-910-9161. Looking forward to hearing from you. I'm sitting here writing down your number like I don't have it. That, hey, man, it's going, it's, I assume that's going into your show notes. So it's, there you go. It's a reminder. <laughs> All right, Sydney, how, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, definitely Facebook. That's where I do most of my stuff. Um, uh, Instagram, Sydney Barker One. Um, I just started uh, doing a lot more on LinkedIn also, so you can check me out there. And then if you want to email me, you can do Soho Properties LLC at gmail.com. I probably am not going to give out my phone number, but y'all can reach me out. <laughs> Most people don't. Tim's the bold one, right? But like you said, a lot, a lot of good things have come from it. So I ain't scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great guys. Well, I appreciate your time this morning. Again, I didn't touch on half of what I wanted to touch on. So I look forward to having round two when, when we can all make our schedules work um, and uh, talk more about, I'm really interested in see what happens with Loretta. Um, yeah. That uh, that'll be a great little conversation to have. So yeah. Um, 
but I, I really do have to get to work. So I hate to cool, man. work, but uh, I yeah. enjoyed our time this morning. Let's do it again very soon. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Y'all have a great day. See you guys. Bye. Bye.